0: It's Tuesday. You know what that means. It's time for the best and brightest moment of your week. It's time for that show you love and that show that you seek. It's time for nonsense, 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 nonsense. nonsense. The show, the best damn show you know.
1: The following program contains scenes and language of a frank and explicit nature. Viewer discretion is advised. Under 17, not admitted without parent.
0: that's right ladies and gentlemen it's tuesday night and you know what that means that means you're gonna settle in have yourself a drink get yourself in the mood it's time for us to be starting something welcome back let's go ahead and kick it off with michael jackson Ladies and gentlemen, it's time that we start something. And what that something is, is Nonsense 216. That's right, Michael. That's episode 16 of season two of Nonsense, the show. I don't know how long we'll do season two before it becomes season three, but we're just going to keep on running with it. We'll see how it goes. Um, We are deep into season two. Things are feeling good. I think we're hitting the groove. Had a little bit of good feedback lately. Got a good show planned for you tonight. I hope you're ready. What do I have in store for you? Hang on one second. Hey, Mike, 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 Mike. Listen, I appreciate you, but it's time for you to go. Thanks, buddy. Hee hee. All right. (laughs) Tonight, I'm pulling songs off of a Spotify playlist called Classic Pump Up Songs. And it's a lot of just really great songs. And I haven't gone through the whole list. I'm just going to pick some of these throughout the night as it feels good. And we're gonna, uh, you know, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna have some good tunes. We're gonna have a good time. It's gonna be great for everybody. I hope you're ready. I know I am. What's ahead tonight? Well, I've got a, a good show planned, and as usual, we probably won't get to everything. But if there's something you hear about that I don't get to, and you want to hear, send me a message, and I'll make sure I bring it back. Because sometimes I, I, you know, I bring things from last week, and sometimes I let it go. And if I don't hear from you, I don't know if you wanted to hear that thing or not. So. Feedback is important, beardandbonesgmail.com, beardandbones on the Instagram, if you listen to this, you probably have my text number, shoot me a text uh, on the text machine, um, you know, just hit me up, let me know what you think. Tonight, we're going to talk uh, about another entry into the Captain's Film Institute, uh, I don't know which one this is, four or five, something like that. We're going to be talking about a 1994 or 5 classic starring Ben Stiller, uh, Keenan Thompson, and a bunch of other people you'll recognize if you were a child in the 90s. Yeah, that's right, guys. We're talking about the Fat Camp classic, Heavyweights. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what am I watching lately? What kind of things is Captain Nick consuming through his eyeballs and learning from and being entertained by? We're going to talk a little bit about words of affirmation because I love words of affirmation, and I want to uh, uh, manifest them in my life. Because I realize that's one of my love languages. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. Just briefly. Just a little bit. I am going to uh carry on last week's Emperor Norton story. Um well it's a loose connection, but it's close. It's good Pardon me. Mm. I just had a little a little burp <clears throat> and it was uh tasted like rum. And I don't know if you've you've ever you've ever tasted rum in a burp, but it's it's not good. Well, boo Fucking poop. Okay, look. I wasn't like asking for sympathy. I was just, I was just trying to fucking talk to you and like tell the people what's going on and like, why I burped on air. You don't have to be a fucking dick about it. Oh. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Come on, dude. Like, we just started the show and the ghosts are already going to fucking get busy. The Broadway spirits are fucking active on the soundboard tonight, guys.
1: You suck. Okay. You,
0: <sighs> you know, I was just talking about how words of affirmation are something that I need in my life. And you motherfuckers are just going to come in and start talking shit to me like this. And it's like, all I'm trying to do is put on a nice show. And, and you guys are like, just coming in 100% fucking it up. Listen, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kick 100% of your ass. I can't shut up. I'm trying to make a fucking show. All right, why don't you guys just relax for a minute? Let me do this show. And then when I'm done, you can talk all the shit you want. Is that fair? Nobody? Bueller? I'm glad we had this talk. Okay. Okay. You know what? It's like talking to a fucking computer. It's like I'm not talking to... It's ridiculous. I don't even want to fucking do it anymore. We're going to talk about words of affirmation. We're going to talk about the origins of a word that I grew up with an instinctual, natural, cultural hatred for. Not a lot of things I hate in this world, but I grew up hating this word, thinking it was one of the worst words you could ever use. I never knew why. I definitely scolded friends and, and responded uh, dramatically when when out-of-towners and foreigners said it. And now I'm going to tell you about it. We're going to talk about the word Frisco. Ugh, makes my skin crawl just saying it, even though I know the truth now. We're going to talk about how the word Frisco is connected to Emperor Norton. We're going to talk about local columnist Herm C- Herm, Herb Kane. There we go. Words are hard. Um, <laughs> and his, uh, you know, back and forth. Flip-floppy love-hate relationship with the word Frisco as it relates to my home. The beautiful in thought, not so much in execution, city by the bay, San Francisco, California. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, History, controversy, Emperor Norton. Sounds like a great time. I know you're going to tune in for that. Um, We're going to talk about... Oh, yeah, there's a couple things I meant to print out and I didn't. Well, we'll figure that out. We're going to talk about Charlie Chaplin and the time he met a group of... uh, Determined, if hapless, grave robbers. We're going to talk about the lost treasure. I have two stories prepared. We will do one or both of them, I'm not sure. We're either going to talk about the lost and mysterious tomb of Genghis Khan, or we're going to talk about the legend of the lost Dutchman mine. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Lost Treasures coming for you. I'm going to give you guys a recommendation on an Instagram account to follow, and we're just going to talk about what's going on in the world. We're going to try to fill an hour with entertaining, hilarious, uh, 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 phenomenal entertainment for you guys tonight. So thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. Uh hope you guys are having a great one. I hope you take some time to tell me about why you like this show, what you want to hear more of. Submit some story suggestions for me to help me uh, help me put together a great show for you every week. And most importantly, I really need you guys to do me a big, big favor and start telling your friends about this. Because if you tell your friends about nonsense, the show, what's going to happen is other people are going to tell their friends about nonsense, the show. And soon enough, what's going to happen.
1: One guy tells another guy something and he tells two friends and they tell two friends and they tell their friends and so on and so on and so on.
0: All I need is for you guys to tell your friends and let that ripple spread. If the show is entertaining, if you enjoy the show, please tell one friend. If you really like the show and you really like me, please tell five friends. <laughs> More people we can get listening means the quality of this show is going to go up and the better the odds that I can make some damn fucking money off of it. I am the smartest man alive! Okay, well, I wouldn't go that far yet. I mean, I'm handsome and I'm intelligent and I'm brave and I'm courageous and I'm, I'm fucking hilarious, but I wouldn't say I'm the smartest man alive, you know? I mean, just you can just relax a little bit, you know? It's like it's, it's all good.
1: You just mind your P's and Q's, buster, and remember who you're dealing with.
0: Yeah, I know who I'm dealing with. I know. It's the Broadway fucking spirits, which you insist on me fucking calling you. And all you're going to do is fucking keep interrupting my show with your insults and your rudeness in the the fucking voices and sound clips of famous movies and and, and TV shows. And it's just going to keep distracting me, and then I'm not going to be able to entertain the fucking people. Up yours Up wherever your species Traditionally crums things Okay well I'm human You used to be human too Remember You remember Yeah Okay So why don't you guys Just fucking relax And let me do this show
1: Oh that's
0: stupid It is not stupid Let me work Sprinkle us with wisdom From your mighty brain Okay Me and my mighty brain Are gonna sprinkle you With some fucking wisdom Let me tell you a story <clears throat> <laughs> I I don't know why I enjoy it. We've talked about this before. This soundboard. Hang on. I just need a little. There we go. There's just something about this soundboard. I won't update my computer because I'll lose access to this program. It's a shitty little program that they don't fucking update anymore and haven't in like seven years. But I love it. It's perfect. I can play with this. I can talk to the ghost. Hey, 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 George. What the fuck? I was in the middle of doing a thing. I just can't get it right tonight. All right. Let's talk about Charlie Chaplin for a minute. (laughs) A long, long time ago, there was a famous dude by the name of Charlie Chaplin. If you follow my Instagram account, go to my Instagram TV and find a video called A Promise Fulfilled. I recited a speech uh, by Charlie Chaplin in the movie The Great Dictator, um, which was a a really brave and kind of groundbreaking film um, and a very important speech and one that I think everybody should hear at some point. So... Go read it. I was fulfilling a promise to my dear and departed friend, um, Kenneth K3 Sturgill, and uh, it was very meaningful, very important. So, Charlie Chaplin. Uh, He was a silent film era superstar. I mean, this guy was one of the top guys in the world, one of the top comedians and pratfall artists you've ever seen. He did some incredible stuff. He came from a whole family of, of successful actors and performers. Let me tell you about a time he met some grave robbers. Silent era funny man Charlie Chaplin, best known for his little tramp character, died on Christmas Day in 1977 and was buried soon after in a 300 pound oak coffin in the village of Corsier, Switzerland. Over 40 years ago, on March 2nd, 1978, so just a few months after her husband was buried, Una Chaplin got a call from the local police. Three months earlier, her husband. Charlie Chaplin, British star of silent. Oh, that's weird. Um, (laughs) So Charlie Chaplin died in Switzerland. His wife gets a phone call. This was his fourth wife, no less. Their eight children had just buried him a couple months earlier in a quiet cemetery near their small Swiss home. This is not a place you expect anything exciting or eventful to happen, even with Charlie Chaplin, one of the biggest stars in the world. The police were actually calling about his burial, though. They said, look, somebody dug up the grave, and he's gone, recalled Chaplin's son Eugene. That was the beginning of one of the most spectacularly unsuccessful body snatchings in history. The thieves soon called the home with their terms. They wanted the equivalent of about $600,000 U.S. for the safe return of Chaplin's body and threatened the lives of the couple's young children should their demands not be met. Una, of course, would have nothing to do with it. Well, Charlie would have thought it rather ridiculous, she said. (laughs) So imagine that. Your husband is dead just a couple of months. He's one of the most famous people in the world. You've got eight kids to deal with. You're trying to sort everything out and get your life back together. And some chuckleheads steal your husband's body and call you up and go, Give us six hundred grand, or we're going to kill your children. And your response is, no, of course I'm not going to do that. Charlie would have thought that's ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, come on. That lady had some giant Swiss balls. But the body snatchers were desperate and the local police diligent. In May of that year, expecting another call from the crooks, police had Una's phone tapped and every one of the area's 200 phone booths monitored by detectives. Their efforts, of course, paid out. And two mechanics and political refugees from Eastern Europe... Roman Wardus and Gansko Ganev were finally nabbed. After the two led the authorities to the cornfield, where they had temporarily reburied Chaplin, they were prosecuted for grave robbing and attempted extortion. Wardus, the reported mastermind, quote-unquote, was sentenced to four years in prison, while Ganev got an 18-month suspended sentence. Both of the men appeared somewhat sorry for their crimes, Uh, Eugene told the Independent that both uh, grave robbers wrote letters to his mother, who who was ready to let bygones be bygones. Uh, The wife of the nicer one wrote and said, We're so sorry. My mother wrote back and said, Look, all is forgiven. As for poor Charlie, he was reburied in his original plot. This time, of course, the family opted for a concrete coating over the grave to deter any future robberies. Um, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that it's a six-foot thick, six-inch thick? I don't know, it's a thick layer of concrete. Um, <laughs> uh, so as far as anybody knows, for the last several decades, Charlie Chaplin has finally been resting in peace. So imagine that. Shortly after your husband dies, you have eight children. You're trying to figure everything out. In addition to all of the fame and and, and dealing with the fortune and dealing with everything that comes with all of that, And these chuckleheads try to fucking extort you for money. Your response is, yeah, I'm not going to do that. A couple months later, they get caught because they're idiots. They get sent to fucking prison. And they and their wives write fucking letters saying, we're so sorry. We apologize. This This was a mistake. You know, we know we're wrong. And her response is, yeah, it's all good. Don't worry about it. What kind of character must Una Chapman Chaplin, there we go, words are hard What kind of character must Una Chaplin have, have had For that to be her response Very impressive Very impressive indeed Alright ladies and gentlemen We're going to go ahead and just slow it down for a minute We're just going to take a second to hang out with Foghead Take a slow ride And just vibe. 15 minutes into the show, almost 16, life's feeling good. Take it away, Foghead. I've been in love with this song since high school I first heard this song on the classic film Dazed and Confused A future entry on the Captain's Film Institute for sure And I remember cruising around town putting this song on And it's just one of those songs that when you're cruising down the road with the windows down You got your buddies in the car, maybe your girl's with you You're young, you're stupid You're still skinny but you think you're not There's nothing that makes you feel cooler than the right cruising song and this is one of them. hold oh, it Oh, thank you, Foghat. We appreciate you. All right, what's coming up next here on Nonsense the Show? Um, let's talk about words of affirmation for a minute. I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job. Nice haircut. Hey, your face looks good today. Did you lose weight? Pick your compliment. Pick your words of affirmation. My life is better with you in it. You make me so happy. Hey, you know that thing you do? Every time you do it, my day is better. There are very few things in the world as powerful as true, heartfelt words of affirmation. Somebody exposing their vulnerabilities for a minute to express to you that something you do or say or part of your appearance or your mere existence makes the world a better place for them. Just think about that for a minute. What an incredible feeling it is when someone tells you that because of you, my life is better. I was recently going through a box of uh, treasures, one of my treasure chests. Sorting through things, working on uh, stuff for grown up grade school or show and tell things and <clears throat> and I found a, a collection of notes that I've kept. And I have I have a couple of these. There's one that stays with me everywhere. Whatever notebook is my current working notebook, I have a few letters, notes, things like that 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 people gave me that just make me feel good. They make me feel strong. They make me feel smart, they make me feel capable. So, when I'm working on a project or when I'm traveling or when I'm doing whatever and I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling insecure or I'm feeling scared, I can call on those things at any time and just flip through them. And now I have a tangible reminder that to certain really wonderful, really kind, really, really great people, um, my existence is important. That's valuable. That's powerful. It's magical. Depending on your perspective, you could even call it religious. And I think a lot about how going through our daily lives, and I think we're getting better at this actually, but going through our daily lives, we're often really quick to throw criticism or complaints to people or to express whatever you're going through that's got you frustrated or angry or hurting right now. I don't think we spend nearly enough time Pointing out the things that make us happy. The things that make us proud. The things that impress us. The things that amaze us. The things that that add beauty to the world. I don't think we take enough time to tell the people around us what we love about them. I know I catch myself a lot of the time wondering how I'm viewed by other people. How do I present to the world? Because I have my image of it. And I guarantee it's rose colored. (laughs) I mean, I like me or whatever, but I guarantee that the way I view myself is, is decidedly more complimentary than what the, um, you know, unbiased truth would be. And so when people take the time to say, Hey, you did this. I really liked that. Hey, you did that. It was really impressive. Hey, remember that time you did this and it really helped me. Things like that, they go a long fucking way. They go a long way to settling some of those voices in your head that that question, well am I doing a good job am i am I adding value in the world? am I making people feel good? am I pulling my weight? am I a contributing member of my community? Words of affirmation are incredible, and so i I, I do my best to go out of my way to offer people the most genuine compliments I can. Sometimes it's walking down the street and someone's got a cool haircut or really rad color and you make sure you compliment them. Like, hey, you got bright green hair. There's, there's a chance you're looking for some kind of attention, even if it's just in your own mind. And so I'm going to compliment you on that because that's a bold thing to do and it looks cool. So yeah, hey, your hair's awesome. I love that color. Thanks. See someone in an interesting outfit uh, doing an interesting thing. Compliment them people posting their artwork or whatever on the internet. It didn't take you but, a, but 10 or 15 seconds to just write them a little comment going, hey, this was really rad. Thanks so much. Hey, I love this part of it. Hey, I really like when you post this. Hey, I noticed that you keep doing this and it's really cool, so keep it up. Let people know that they're seen. Let people know that they are noticed in a positive way. Let people know that their efforts to reach out to the world are heard. And appreciate it. Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? It doesn't diminish you in the least. You can give all the love you want. You can give all the compliments and all the praise you want. And it's never going to diminish you. It's never going to, you're never going to run out. It's never going to be less valuable. It's never going to take away from how great you are how good you feel what you're accomplishing in fact it's probably going to do quite the opposite it's probably going to add to everything you're doing in your life because when you're putting good into the world good comes back to you when you're putting good into the world you feel better because you you're doing good you're when you go places people smile they're happy to see you because you make them feel good now if you're if you're a shithead critical curmudgeonly you're going to notice because people are not excited to see you or if they're smiling you can tell it doesn't is not real because it doesn't reach the eyes <laughs> so um i guess you know the point of this little little uh little discussion is is throughout your daily life look for opportunities to give people words of affirmation look for and you don't need to expect anything in return they don't have to they don't have to respond at all Just shoot them a little message. Give them a little what's up. Hey, you're doing great. Keep it up. Acknowledge people in a positive way. Acknowledge their contributions to the world, however big or small they may be. Whether they are your taste or not, whether you understand them or not, if you can see someone's putting effort and personality and and spirit into something, give them a little praise for it. I think we'd all be amazed at how, uh, how much the world changes for the better if we all start doing that more. And with that being said, that's the end of that segment. <laughs> what do we got next tonight, ladies and gentlemen? I think what we're going to do Mm. I think tonight ladies and gentlemen we're gonna listen to Pepler for a minute we take flight to live Pacific Light. Heights Never before the Sun sets to settle the score from listed it cave but no longer the same see we reflect the cause and effect of change Pacific Heights So living in the West is some of the sights that leave you breathless My life reflects this Every day I wake up for breakfast The feeling I'm feeling is the nexus Blue skies and big shit on the horizon Game recognized, game advised to lames Economy driving. Thanks to my brother for exposing me to pep love And that song many years ago An expression of love for my city by the bay And then of course there's a classic Mr. Tony Bennett By the bay Sing it if you know it. I left my
1: heart In San Francisco High on a hill
0: It calls to me. Thank you, Mr. Bennett. We appreciate you as always. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a Bay Area kid born and bred. <clears throat> Raised a very short drive from that beautiful Golden Gate. <clears throat> Excuse me for a second, just need to clear my throat of the emotion as I begin talking about my hometown and, and a very, very touchy, very, very sensitive subject. Um, while we're waiting Let me go ahead And uh, I'm just gonna go ahead And take a quick sip of rum And while we're doing that Why don't you listen to uh, This Funkadelic clip
1: Cause you never know where the knife will go This yeah. the they They're always cool But that they never Teach you in school
0: Are you man enough Baby man enough Are you um, gonna let Okay Okay you Yeah no we're good We're good are You can you stop Yes we are Thank you I grew up north of San Francisco I'm a fan of the San Francisco Giants I am a proud bandwagon fan Of the San Francisco 49ers And the Golden State Warriors um, You know, secondary to my Giants I love the Oakland Days. I want to see them succeed at all at all opportunities As long as my Giants aren't suffering as a result I'm very proud of my home Despite all of its eccentricities Expenses and Bullshit, really Listen, it's a crazy place to live. It's a crazy place to grow up. It certainly impacted my views on the world in good ways and bad. But there is one thing everybody raised in the shadow of the Golden Gate grows up knowing. You can call it SF. You can call it the city. Under no circumstances do you call it San Fran. And under penalty of death, you do not call it Frisco. Why? We don't fucking know. That's just the thing you're you're raised knowing. Your first word is Hella. Your second word is Don't call it Frisco. That's the way. That's just the way we're all born and bred. It's just a natural thing. It's something in the water. Let me read you some stuff. <laughs> Growing up in the shadow of my beloved Golden Gate and at the feet of history, legend, and worldwide fame, it was a commonly held and deeply protected belief that one is never to utter the offensive abbreviation of Frisco in reference to our Bayside jewel. And let me just go ahead and and put in here. So there's something I always, when I'm talking to people about San Francisco, I always say this I love the idea of San Francisco, I love the spirit of San Francisco. I'm not super fond of the execution, and anybody who's been there in the last twenty years will know why. <laughs> None knew why this rule existed, only that we took great personal injury when an outsider uttered the term in our presence, and that the world was a very uh, and that the word was a very useful way to identify an outsider or pretender to our fog-soaked birthright. And Bird Norton supposedly declared Frisco off limits with this 1872 decree. Whoever, after due and proper warning, shall be heard to utter the abominable word Frisco, which has no linguistic or other warrant, shall be deemed guilty of a high misdemeanor, and shall pay into the imperial treasury a penalty of the sum $25. Unfortunately for linguistic purists of the city by the bay, there is no definitive proof that our good emperor ever produced such a declaration. It does not exist in his official or confirmed declarations, and it's believed it could be uh, one of the uh, many, many fakes uh, created over time to discredit or or mock him. Despite there being no proof of the word Frisco ever being outlawed by our one and only imperial leader, a deep-seated hatred for the term has become a part of the cultural fabric of our region, often being used to identify and malign outsiders. The Frisco cause was later taken up by locally famous and beloved commentator and... and, and, uh, uh, commentator herb kane columnist that's the word i was looking for herb kane leading to a modern push to eradicate this ugly and insultingly low-cast descriptor forever a little history on the word frisco and the hatred of of locals uh, from locals of that word in 1895 the new york sun reported a native san francisco complaining Easterners call my city out of its name with malicious purpose, and that none of them have been hanged for it shows that we are forbearing people beyond all others. They call my city... The speaker choked at the word. They call it Frisco. Ding'em, sir. They seem to think that they are doing something pleasant and smart, yet every San Franciscan loathes with a murderous loathing to hear his city so called. 1904. An old-timer uh, states for an article in the reader, no, we don't call it Frisco. That's tenderfoot talk. 1906, anyone who goes about the country asserting that this ho- that his home is in Frisco may at once be set down as an imposter, says the advance. 1908, there never was and never will be a Frisco, asserts the San Francisco call. Neither before the fire nor since has this shabby abbreviation born of vulgarity and laziness ever been tolerated in this neighborhood. Of course, the name is applied in a merely heedless spirit, but to the ears of a true San Franciscan, it is offensive. In 1913, the poet Burton Braley uh, takes to verse uh, t- to question San Franciscans' aversion to the term. Why not call her Frisco? Brethren, what's the harm? Good old San Francisco will not lose her charm. Just because you name her with a nickname Brief, how can Frisco shame her, pain, or cause her grief? Why not call her Frisco? She'll still be the same. Gay old San Francisco under any other name. (laughs) 1938, a resident observes, I think we are comfortably informal, although we do insist on the full name San Francisco rather than Frisco. An almanac the same year, published by Federal Writers Project, offers this advice for tourists. If you want to be liked in San Francisco, remember not to call it Frisco. If you'd rather not arise our ire, remember the earthquake was the fire. If you want to, if you want to earn our friendliness, remember to knock Los Angeles. <laughs> so as far back as 1938, certain things were true. Number one, do not call it Frisco. Frisco. Number two, the 1906 earthquake, which caused a massive fire. Um, It is not to be called the earthquake. It was the fire. Um, And uh, as is still true today, although very much like the hatred for Frisco, there is no basis between it. It's now just a friendly rivalry, and it's something you're bred to do. Um, All native San Franciscans worthy of the name talk shit about Los Angeles. And as far as I know, Los Angeles doesn't really give much of a shit about us. (laughs) in modern times legendary San Francisco columnist Herb Cain had an odd relationship with Frisco in 1941 he insisted that it makes you feel good all over once in a while to say Frisco right out loud then in 1953 he wrote a book called Don't Call It Frisco but he flip-flopped a lot uh, in 1993, the three-dot scribe praised the F-word as a salty nickname, redolent of the days when we had a bustling waterfront. Yet, in another column that year, Kane observed, I no longer hear people say either Frisco, or in automatic reproof, don't call it Frisco, an ominous sign. But then, adolescence is believing that Frisco is a racy nickname for a city. Senility is automatically saying, don't call it Frisco. Maturity? is figuring it doesn't really matter all that much. Uh, and by the way, the San Francisco Tourist Board still has a recommendation on their website that visitors to the city do not utter the word Frisco. In 1989, Herb Cain observed San, Francisco's, uh, San Franciscans backsliding, two hallowed precepts of my childhood, that you never call it Frisco, and that you always call the 1906 earthquake the fire seem to have become outmoded. It is now accepted that Frisco suffered a quake in 06. In 1995, Kane covers his bases again. It's San Francisco. Not Frisco, but San Francisco. Caress each Spanish syllable. Salute our Italian saint. Don't say Frisco, and don't say San Francisco. That's the way Easterners like Larry King pronounce it. He also notes that reminding people not to call it Frisco is a conditioned reflex that is wearing out. There's reason to doubt whether Herb Cain had a problem with Frisco at all. Nearly 20 years before the 1995 retractions, he already was walking back the don't call it Frisco mantra. Mantra. <laughs> Here's how Cain opened The City That Never Was a Town, a February 1977 article in the Rotarian magazine. It's okay you may call it Frisco now. The graybeards uh, the ones who objected so strenuously and endlessly to the irreverent Sailor Spawn nickname for San Francisco, are mostly gone now. And so, it must be added, is a large part of the city that they loved and helped to build. The city that spawned world legends and legions of worshippers. Old Frisco was the seamen's and adventurer's delight, The gaudy, lusty, gusty town that grew up overnight in floods of gold and silver, much of it to be squandered in the infamous deadfalls of the Barbary Coast or among the opium smokers of Chinatown's dark corners. That was Frisco. Its waterfront jammed and noisy and alive with ships from the Seven Seas, its harbor big enough to embrace all the natives of the world. small wonder that a newspaper columnist who once wrote a book titled don't call it frisco was heard to implore one recent day as he recalled these vanished glories please call us frisco here's kane one year later in his chronicle column of march 19th 1978 who first said don't call it frisco and why what's wrong with frisco that you should be ostracized and cast into the east bay for using it in mixed company a few days ago, the New York Times put, a head, put the headline Dog Days in Frisco over a light piece from San Francisco, and letters of protest have poured in from all parts of the country, from Philly to Shy, from LA to Dago. The gist How can the most distinguished newspaper in the country use this hateful nickname? Plus exhortations that I not let them get away with it. The Times trembles at my displeasure. <laughs> I find myself strangely unmoved, even though I once put out a a book titled Don't Call It Frisco. A a, a catchy title, that's all. I was never sure about the reasoning behind the objection, even while voicing it. Other old-timers don't know either. They stumble around with words like undignified and body and coarse, as if there's something wrong with a city being any of those. Which every city is. Maybe it has to do with San Francisco being the city of St. Francis and there is no St. Frisco. My recollection is that it's a waterfront-born nickname that the sailors used lovingly back when this was the best, i.e. wildest, port of call on the Pacific. Furthermore, is anyone yet alive who remembers that day in 75 when SF's first professional baseball team took the field? And I do mean the Frisco's. When you hear Clancy Hayes saying, uh, saying, that must be 1875, by the way, (laughs) when you hear Clancy Hayes sing all those fine Frisco songs with the old Bob Scobie band, can you really be outraged? Before going on to less pressing matters, cheers, hoots, catcalls, this knee-jerk and I think not at all serious aversion to Frisco is redolent of lavender and old lice, such as San Franciscan's alleged hatred of Los Angeles and contempt for Oakland. These might have had a trace of validity once, when SF and LA literally were competing for, tr- for pride and population, and when this city was riding high on a fairly justifiable wave of cockiness, but these feelings no longer exist. In fact, the situations no longer exist. Los Angeles has, a lo- has long since moved on to another dimension, which you may like or dislike, and there is no longer anything amusingly hick-townish about Oakland. Ask our port director. As in the 1950s and 1990s examples above, Emperor Norton is nowhere to be found in these 1970s ruminations on the subject of Frisco. The more one looks at it, the more it begins to appear that don't call it Frisco was a clever shtick created and used by the Sacramento kid to lovingly tweak his adopted San Francisco for taking itself too seriously. If so, then those San Franciscans today who revere Herb Cain as the Count of Anti-Frisco may be doing so because, like generations of self-serious San Franciscans before them, they never got the joke. And so, as we conclude our research into this locally divisive term, it seems that, once again, this beautiful city falls victim to its own sense of superiority and self-aggrandizement. A beautiful city, with all the potential and fortune of the world at her feet, struck down and held back by her own failures and hubris. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of Nonsense the Show, friends and family, I stand before you, a corrected and humbled man. Please, go into the world, tell your friends, tell your family, tell the media, tell all who will listen. Visit our hallowed shores, learn our history, eat our food and please call it Frisco. (laughs) I did not know anything about the history of that term or my hatred for it. I just knew I hated it because that's how I was raised. And so now at nearly 35 years of age, just about a month away from that. In fact, I stand before you a proponent and enthusiastic supporter of the term Frisco. But so help you God if you call it San Fran. Ladies and gentlemen, as I reach the end of my drink and prepare myself for a refill, 43 minutes into this episode, getting close to the end, feeling good. I like the episode so far, and I sure as fuck hope you do too. And more importantly, I hope our sponsor likes the episode. So tonight, I want to bring to you our proud and noble sponsor. Dang. Dang, that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of Nonsense, the show, as always, is brought to you by the incredible geniuses and huge, pe- huge penises of Paso Wineshine. That's right, Paso Wineshine, the finest distillery in the Paso Robles wine country region. Teamed up with the Tin City Distillery, run by my buddy Patrick Brooks and a few of his incredible partners, Paso Wineshine makes some of the best booze this side of the Mississippi. Go onto their website, ask them to send you some booze. You will have to pay for it because they're a business, but you will not be sorry. Not only is the booze delicious, but the bottles are beautiful. Their artwork is incredible on the labels. And uh, Pat is one hell of a nice guy. We're still in the preparation process, but we're coming up soon on the release of a new podcast brought to you by myself and Patrick Brooks, entitled Space Junkies. It's going to be show all about outer space. We're going to have a NASA-level intellectual individuals on to tell us all about space i don't know about pat but i don't know shit about space i am an outer space extraterrestrial moron and i can't wait to do a little learning and now ladies and gentlemen it's time for another edition of the lost treasure segment This is one of the segments that people, um, the very few times I've gotten feedback on the show, this is the one that gets brought up most. People love this segment. So thank you to those of you who expressed that. I hope this is a worthy entry. Tonight, I'm going to tell you about the legend of the lost Dutchman mine. The Superstition Mountains have been a source of mystery and legend since early times. The area is dotted with ancient cliff dwellings and caves, many showing signs of former habitation. It's not certain who these people were. Some believe they were Salado or Hokokum Indians, who populated this part of Arizona centuries ago. Later, Pimas and, quote, Apaches, some of whom may have been Yavapai, occupied parts of the region. However, the name Apache came to be closely associated with the superstitions and the mountains became an Apache stronghold in the 1800s. During the 1840s, the Peralta family of northern Mexico supposedly developed rich gold mines in the Superstition Mountains. Their last expedition to carry gold back to Mexico occurred in 1848. According to legend, the large party was ambushed by Apaches, and all were killed except for one or two Peralta family members who escaped into Mexico. As a result, this area is known today as the Massacre Grounds. A number of other people were supposed to have known the mine's location or even to have worked it. Numerous maps have surfaced over the years only to become lost or misplaced when interested parties pressed for facts. Men who claimed to have found the Peralta Mine were unable to return to it, or some disaster occurred before they could file a claim, all adding to the mystery and lore. Of the lost mine. In the 1870s, Jacob Waltz, the Dutchman, actually a native of Germany, was said to have located the mine through the aid of a Peralta descendant. Waltz and his partner, Jacob Weiser, worked the mine and allegedly hid one or more caches of gold in the superstitions. Most stories place the gold in the vicinity of Weaver's Needle, a well-known landmark. Weiser was killed by Apaches, or according to some, by Waltz himself. Mm, mystery. In failing health, Jacob Waltz moved to Phoenix and died some 20 years later in 1891. He supposedly described the mine's location to Julia Thomas, a neighbor who took care of him prior to his death. Neither she, nor dozens of other seekers in the years that followed were able to find the lost Dutchman's mine. Subsequent searches have sometimes met with foul play or even death, contributing to the superstition and legend that surround these mountains. Many versions of the lost Dutchman mine story exist, and several books and films have been done on the subject. So ladies and gentlemen, if you ever find yourself down in the Arizona uh, Arizona territory, get yourself over to the Superstition Mountains and have a little poke around. Who knows what you might find? Long lost gold mine, one of Mr. Walt's treasure troves, his caches of gold prepared for exfil, or maybe you'll find a grisly end. At the hand of human, or possibly spirit. <laughs> and so closes another edition of our Lost Treasure series. 48 minutes into the episode, hmm... Let's see here. You know, we're just going to take a second here because I feel like we need to do. hmm. (laughs) Let's do. um, Well, we're going to push off Captain's Film Institute one more week. Next week, we'll talk about heavyweights. And then uh, probably the week after that, we'll do either the Princess Bride or maybe Nacho Libre. One of those. Um, For the moment, though, we need to uh, just check in with a couple of friends that I have visiting. From the 90s. Um, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome to Nonsense the show for the first time ever. That's right. It's the Backstreet Boys. Make it big, guys. Make it larger than life.
1: I'm in running this
0: Jesus. All right. I can't believe I remember the words that I haven't heard this song in years. That's definitely going on a playlist, though, because that is good shit. (laughs) All right. Let's do a little talking about what am I watching lately? Um, I've been in, it's no secret, I've been in a little bit of a mood lately. I've been working hard to get out of it. I've tried a lot of therapy techniques, some of them extreme, some of them mellow. And you know, I'm getting there, bit by bit. I'm almost there. And one of the things I like to do is there are certain shows that just make me happy. Some movies as well. And so every once in a while, I keep these things in reserve and I go back to them. And I recently found a new one. I'm positive I've talked about it on this show before, but it's so good that I think it's worth If you have the funding, you signing up for a new streaming service specifically for this show. Even if you just do a a free trial, you can get this show done. It's only one season right now. Starring Jason Sudeikis. um, It's called Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is the story of a good-natured, positive, kind, and thoughtful football coach from the Midwest being plucked from his comfort zone and dropped into England as the head coach of a Premier League football team. This is not the football he's used to. In fact, he doesn't know anything about European football, what we in America know as soccer. He doesn't know the rules. He doesn't know the positions. He doesn't know anything about the league or its structure or how it works. All he knows is he's the coach. He brings his, uh, his, his assistant coach, a guy called Coach Beard, who's a phenomenal character. He shows up, and he begins working against the odds to win over management, players, fans, media, and everybody around, while he learns the game, while he learns the culture, while he deals with being separated from his wife and child, but the whole way through, it's a show that, it, 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 it's just positive, and it's it's happy, and it's not unrealistically so, it's not rosy-cheeked, but what it is, is it's all these regular real people coming up against this guy Ted lasso who is just even when he's in a shitty mood, he's kind to people. even when he's frustrated he's he's making sure that he's not letting you know losing control of himself but it, it, it's hard to sell it uh, as well as it deserves but I highly recommend you take the time make the time, find a way go watch Ted lasso with Jake and Jason Sudeikis. new season I think comes out in May or June they've announced um, it's one that I've watched it twice now. And it just makes you feel good. It's a great story. It's real fun. It's a comedy. Um, so you're going to laugh a lot. The, the the surrounding cast of characters are great. There's a lot of great character progression. There's a great storyline that goes through. Um, there's a, a, an initial, initial side character who gets a, a much bigger role as the season progresses called Keeley. I won't tell you anything about it, but watching her interact with people is phenomenal. Watching the growth of Nate the Great... Um, Roy can't I mean all of them. Check it out. Highly, highly suggest, highly recommend. Go watch Ted Lasso. What else am I watching? I'm spending a lot of time these days when I'm watching things. I'm spending a lot of time watching people make things. It's nothing that I have an interest in going and starting to make myself, but I love watching other people make things. I found a Russian guy who over the course of several years using his one-month vacation from his law practice goes out into the wilderness and has built himself an incredible cabin, and a, a, a water wheel, and all this stuff. I watch um, this this English guy and his dad, uh, I don't have their channel written down, I apologize, but they build, um, with uh, ancient methods, they build different styles of ancient housing uh, out in the woods on this property they own. And it's really fun to watch them build these different wilderness camps, and then use them and see why they work, and all this kind of stuff, and then the relationship between the guy and his dad and they're just characters. They're great. But the one I want to suggest to you today, if you've ever been a fan of Mythbusters, if you've ever been a fan of, um, what else has he been on? I don't know. Mythbusters. Mythbusters is where you know him. <laughs> where did this fucking thing go? Hang on. I apologize. Yeah, if you've ever been a fan of Mythbusters, you know who Adam Savage is. forgive me I thought I had something available and it appears I don't listen to this for a minute while I uh, while I figure something out okay great news everybody I found it Yay! <laughs> and now, what you've all been waiting for The reason that diversion happened Prepare to be astonished I was looking for a sound file from Adam Savage Which has actually affected my life Way deeper than I ever thought it did I just realized this recently um, But a long, long time ago I first saw the show Mythbusters And at the beginning of the show There's a, there's a clip of Adam Savage saying this
1: I reject your reality and substitute my own
0: and holy shit, if that's not a quote that has impacted my life and the way I interact with the world, I don't know what is. I reject your reality and substitute my own. Adam Savage is still out there. He's still making great content. He's still a super nerd with incredible skills and talent. He has a YouTube channel called Adam Savage's Tested. There's all kinds of different content on there, but what I love the most is Adam Savage's One Day Builds. Um, Right now he's in the middle of a much longer than one day build where he's building one of those Velociraptor costumes you see people walk around in that looks real, like real. He's building it from the ground up, which is really fun to watch. But essentially what it is, is it's him doing any, maybe it's a prop replica, maybe it's a piece of equipment or storage for his shop. Maybe he's modifying a tool. Maybe he's modifying something he bought from somewhere else. It could be any number of different things. A lot of them super nerdy. But what I really enjoy is watching a guy with his experience and his skills and his knowledge walk you through his thought process and his problem solving skills as he's doing one of these projects and he runs into a problem and you watch him figure it out in real time or or close to real time, you know, it's edited, but you watch him figure out how to solve it um, and different ways to go about it. And it, it, it just, it really helps you pick up um, a lot about how to work through different kinds of problems. You can gather a lot from it. and then he, if you like Adam Savage, you'll love him doing this, because it's just him in his shop surrounded by all of his favorite things, talking to a camera while he works on things and gets dirty. It's great. Highly recommend. Adam Savage is tested. Um, and what I would really like to know, I'd like you guys to send me recommendations if you have one. What are you watching on YouTube? Particularly, Do you know anybody who's making cool things or has a great show or channel about them making things that you want to send to me? Because I'd like to know. Okay, all right. 58 minutes into the episode, I think we're going to go ahead and close it out, so let's see what we got. We went through Charlie Chaplin's stolen body. We went through the Lost Treasure series. We went through the story of Frisco, a formerly verboten word, which is now, of course... Something I treasure and praise and support. We talked about words of affirmation. We talked about what I'm watching. Next week, we'll talk about the Captain's Film Institute, the great uh, classic movie, Heavyweights. And we will talk about... uh, We'll probably talk about Five Cowboy Rules to Live By. We may talk about the zoo economy. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, an article from a long, long time ago called In Praise of Idleness. In the meantime... Ladies and gentlemen, this is Nonsense The Show. My name is Captain Nick. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate you guys supporting me. I appreciate you coming back and spending an hour of your week with me. Episode 216, that's fucking it.
1: I'd say that was a pretty successful broadcast. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm -mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks, don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Nope. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Shit, I'm out.
0: Goodbye.